Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs, Daddy T. You know me. Wow, what's with this slow ASMR intro? Um, I don't know. Maybe because I'm depressed, but we all are. And uh, I'm okay. Don't worry about me. <laughs> what a weird way to start. Um, I, I honestly just turned on the mic and was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk. But it's been, it's been a weird day. Uh, and it's fine. Everybody across the world we're in a global pandemic so just that just dealing with that um anyways okay the reason i'm being weird is because i wanted to give a disclaimer to this episode um this was actually an episode i recorded at the very 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 beginning of quarantine uh feels like years ago you know back when we thought this was only going to be two weeks long um and it's actually a really fun episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. I love this guest. All of it is good. The reason it was delayed is because, well, I went on a hiatus uh, and then had some episodes banked up that I was like, okay, as soon as we come back, I'll release this. And then, as you know, if you've been listening, a lot has happened, or if you've been paying attention to the world. Um, but basically, once I started releasing episodes again, I was really focused on um, the bots and sort of <laughs> saving democracy and, and talking about big tech and sort of responding to the protests in Los Angeles and all of the recent, more recent news. But I'm, I really did enjoy doing this episode, so I am very excited to finally release it. Um, I, I uh, just wanted to mention and let you guys know that we did record this very beginning of quarantine, um, before the first big protest in Los Angeles, as well as before um, a lot of the more recent news about JK Rowling came out. I mentioned that because we do talk about Harry Potter and JK Rowling and... Not to say she wasn't like this before. It seems like she's maybe written a lot of more misogynistic and transphobic, you know, opinions um, that's been documented. But I would say this is before I was aware of it. This is before Cameron was aware of, of it. And this was before it sort of, I guess, blew up on the Internet. Um, so I consider cutting it out. It's just the very end. At the, the very, very end, we play a game about witches and we talk about our love for Harry Potter. But I actually didn't, I decided not to cut it out because um, to me so much of, I guess, the magic and enjoying fantasy and sort of living these secret lives through these books as a child and teen, you know, being a, a queer young person is finding your own world and your own friends and your own definition. So all that being said, it's not truly an homage to harry potter or jk rowling um but we if you think it's bizarre that we talk about it and not don't mention the news it's because this was recorded before then um that being said i still love the idea of magic and witches and um yeah i don't know things are complex i i think there's um obviously a lot we should criticize about jk rowling but the idea of magic and witches um she doesn't get to have that as a monopoly, you know? So, yeah. So that's that's the disclaimer I wanted to put out there. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then I also left. So I really didn't cut anything from this episode. Um, but there is one part that made me uncomfortable personally. Cameron didn't make me uncomfortable. I personally wanted to cut it out because I misspoke. Or, I, you know what? I didn't misspeak. I, I spoke. And then Cameron um, reacted to a word I used, and I 
recognized my mistake and actually was able to address it. And so I thought about cutting it out because I was like, oh, I don't want to have anyone feel offended or feel uh i'll just tell you guys because you'll hear it it's i i use the word wife beater up in the front about a shirt and then i immediately realize how that's not a word we should use but it 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 was it came out of me in a way that i I like hadn't thought about it so um i actually left that part in because i really like the way that cameron addressed it and um i feel like for me the uncomfortable um reflection that's now recorded uh, is something that I'm looking for in discourse with other people as well. So I just wanted to leave that in there for full transparency to be totally honest uh, because I really do mean it. I am trying to listen and grow and I don't mean that in like a let me know when I'm wrong because we should be doing the work ourselves and figuring out when we're wrong, you know? So I am trying. Um, That being said, obviously I fuck up and that's not an excuse i'm not excusing my fuck ups so feel free to um let me know what you think okay you can be honest with me um yeah those are the two disclaimers and then onto this episode's content it's actually i'm very excited to share it even though we recorded it it feels like ages ago a lot of these themes are still all very relevant um especially i like what cameron talks about um the analogy he uses about how growth can hurt us, um, but it will always take us sort of where we need to go. So that's something that I feel like is super relevant even more now. And finally, um, some quick announcements. What a weird way. I flipped around the episode stuff because I want to get the disclaimer out of the way first. But quick announcement. I am recording a uh, special Don't Get Too Excited. It is on Zoom for a startup. So who knows if anyone will see it. But if you are interested in watching, I'm going to be doing like a 15-minute recorded set. And I believe I'll be able to invite people via link. You know, you can just watch it from your home. You may have to have like your sound on to laugh or something. But besides that, it's if you've wanted to come see me do live comedy and you're far away, um, this might be a fun chance to see me. Um, so if you want to see that, uh, I don't have the exact link yet. So why don't you just email me if you're interested and I will make sure that you get the link when I have it. The special, I believe, will be recorded on August 15th. So you can email me, tell me anything pod at gmail.com or, you know, um, hop onto the discord, which is in the bio of the Instagram at tell me anything pod and message me. Um, it's truly a very small group of people there. I, in my ideal, like, I'm like, I have a dream that one day this entire discord will just be popping, you know, but right now it's like five people, which is great. I love them all. Um, you are all my confidants and, I probably lean on you more than you lean on me. So, yeah, but anyways, all that being said is, like, if you want to talk to me, go to the Discord because I will see your messages. And finally, um, I am going to send out a super confidant newsletter at the end of the week. So if you want to get on that, it's $5 or more, paypal.me slash you can tell me anything. And um, it's just a way to help support the show since I just record these at home and it's a weird time. But... Uh, if you want to be on the newsletter and you really don't have $5, um, honor, honor code, email me, let me know. Okay. And, and, uh, I'll include you because I know it's a weird time and I'd much rather connect. Okay. So that's it. That's it for the announcements. You can, uh, you can write me, you can email me, you can message me wherever you want. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram at Larissa T. Enjoy this episode with Cameron Esposito. You can tell.
It's your girl, T. This is uh, You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where comedians confess something they want to get off their chest or, you know, they want to tell me. Um, I've adjusted it. It used to be that they've never told anyone before, but, um, you know, we tell everybody everything. So now it's just something you want to get off your chest. And, yeah, I'm really excited for my guest. Oh, she has so much going on. She just came out with a new book called Save Yourself. She has a podcast called Query and a million other things. Cameron Esposito, what's up? Hey, Teresa. Hello. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. I love your style today. You got seahorses on your shirt. Oh, yes. This is a, <laughs> this is a shirt that for some reason I own two of. Like oh, I own nice. two of Different colors or shirt. same color? No, it's the, what I have is two of the exact same shirt. Okay. That's so okay. it's a great shirt to wear on a day you think you might be like super sweaty, but you want <laughs> the vibe going all day. You can sweat out the first one. Mm. And rotate to the second. Nobody can ever know. That's smart. I have, I, I mean, I have like a million of the same wife beater. And I cut a few in like slightly different slits. So I feel like they're different shirts, but they're the same shirt. <laughs> I have not heard that phrase since high school. Oh, I guess. Yeah, you're right. I haven't even, that was like a moment where uh, back I in time. totally forgot. We were, we were back in time and we were using phrases from the Yeah, 1900s. wow, wow, wow. You know, I'm glad you called me out on that because there's <laughs> definitely things that I I feel like I have carried over from childhood because I don't use them very often and then they just come out like that and then I have to go, wait a minute. As a teenager, I had no consideration. But yeah, so thank, yeah, thanks for calling I mean, that out. I, when I was um, in high school and like I, so, so writing this book um, was a strange experience because I had to like really go back and look at my life like in massive detail as comics. Obviously, mm. we talk about our past and, you know, done a zillion pod podcasts. It's not like I've never thought about myself. In fact, I think about myself way too much, <laughs> but um, because it's it's just like a longer, you know, stand up set might be an hour, but the audio book for, for Save Yourself is like almost seven hours long. So it's like, think about, you know, trying to mine that much material. And one thing that came up for me that I had forgotten about was like casual use of the word um, rape in high mm. school. Like this is a, I went to a high school where a very, not only do people use the word gay as a, as like slang, but people also use the word rape as mm. slang, meaning um, that like you would use it if you were talking about failing a test or something. Mm. Like that raped me. Yeah, is a sentence That's so wild. I That's definitely right. used to say, um, but also everybody said, I, which is like, talk about you know we had no sex ed at all where I went to high school, zero sex ed. Um, all we did was watch an abortion and religion <sighs> class, and uh, write a paper about whether or not homosexuality was a sin, and in that context. Just imagine, just imagining like students passing each other in the hall, oh talking gosh. about sexual assault. Yeah, that casually. I mean, it, it's bonkers. Yeah. I can't believe I survived. I I loved your book, by the way. I listened to the audiobook, and I love that it's oh. you, you narrating it, and you yeah. you know you have little moments where you're like pause and give commentary. Um, but I love that because you're right. Like as comics, we kind of share who we are now, and then we pull stories. But it's so cool that you pull all this from like your past and uh you talk about you know the the paper but you also talk about how you went to um like a pro, a pro right or pro-life parade or protest and all that and yeah it really it's so cool that you're able to like talk about that and I think that um 
something we don't think about as much, but yeah, who we were as children. I'm so glad the internet didn't exist the way it does now because I'm sure <laughs> everything you know I did as a teen is I've learned better, but now I'm like, oh wow, that makes me cringe so much. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. One of the big ones is uh, I have like a scrapbook from my freshman year of college. So I was 19, I was leaving home for the first time from like a very um, religiously conservative area. Mm -hmm. And I joined the Young Republicans <laughs> when I got to college. Uh -huh. And I have a scrapbook where I have pictures of me like attending a rally for George W. Bush, who is the first person I ever voted for, you know, wow. for him when I was 19. So we can change a lot yeah. when we learn information. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm I sure, you know, you're a charismatic person. So any club you're in, it's, you're going to get a lot of attention and do well and be <laughs> popular. And so that's like a feeling at that age that's just nice to have, you know? So depending on what community you're in, just having that sort of like, attention and you know feeling like you're belonging that's that's a good feeling and you associate that with the club not necessarily critically you know thinking of like what does it represent but oh yeah I mean well <laughs> I, I thought I knew what it represented because it turns out if white people are just talking to white people like just if it's just a circle of white people talking to white <laughs> people they can convince each other that being a Republican means anything you know uh -huh. they can all we can white people can also convince each other that anything means anything like absent <laughs> other voices um, and then add religious conservatism in there. Oh, shit. Like, <laughs> like we can create our own um, construction of the world that, that, like, makes perfect sense, absent other voices. Yeah, that's so interesting. Wait, before we get too far, I want to ask for a good confession just to start on a good note because that's sort of um, – uh, I just like to start on a positive note. Is there something – good like a little humble brag or something you would like to confess <laughs> what is a good confession something that makes you feel good so it can be anything like something you're enjoying lately if you want to you know hype something else up or something you're proud of that you did or you know just a nice yeah <laughs> you know I I have been really tired of doing my podcast during uh -huh. this time I don't know how you feel about it. I know I'm currently a guest on your podcast but <laughs> what if I was like I'm so tired I hate this no <laughs> no but like I I have been like oh man it just is it's felt exhausting yeah. to do this type of like conversation because it's the only conversation I'm having like uh -huh. usually when it's balanced with like human interaction and going <sighs> outside and stuff it feels a little different so I I went into last weekend last week <clears throat> I went into a recording where I was just like, oh, man, I, like, don't know if I could, like, get it up for this conversation <laughs> today. And then the person I was talking to was an astronaut. Whoa. An astronaut whose name is Anne McLean. And, you know, sometimes, like, I don't know if this ever happens to you. It's like, you know, your job can become rote. It, like, can become commonplace. Things can become normalized. That uh -huh. Then you, like, sort of black back in like I'm like blacked out being like oh I don't want to do query and then like I black back in and I'm like I'm talking to a woman who's been to space yeah, like she wow. she has she uh was talking to me about like her spacewalk which is where you leave the shuttle and you're just in a spacesuit and you're tethered but you're like floating around she was talking to me about um that they have weekends off 
<laughs> you know they have weekends off that's Doesn't crazy it blow your mind? yeah i guess because it's a job but you would think like <laughs> it's space i mean like what is time in space exactly she, uh yeah the sun sets like every 45 minutes or something oh, like wow. that um and but she was also talking to me about how like when you go to space because you're because there's a gravity your spine extends hmm. and you grow like she grew two inches Whoa. Um, then That's when you come back down and you're re-affected by gravity, you shrink. And she told me that it hurts, which I thought was oh. super interesting. Like, she, like you can feel it. Whoa. You can feel your body. She told me you could, she could feel her organs like your bones falling down inside of her body. She could feel her spine compressing. And, you know, it just kind of, like, made me think of... Um, maybe what we're going to talk about later in the podcast, which is, like that growth makes it really hard to fit back into things that usually huh. felt comfortable. Oh, that's such a like beautiful metaphor in a very literal way. I love that. But also terrifying to think about your yeah. bones getting crushed. I, <laughs> I love space. I'm going to listen to that. Um, weirdly, space has been, I mean, it's been in the news, but I've been thinking a lot about it even before that. And it's felt like one of those things the universe has been putting in front of me just like Base. I don't know why, but I love. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, it. so she's she's one of forty-seven astronauts. Wow. You know, like that blew my mind. Like, <laughs> they usually get new classes of like maybe eight people or Whoa. something like that, but like twelve thousand people apply. Can you imagine doing that? Like how comedians do open mics and even feel like I'm constantly like. I I could quit at any moment, you know, like, but as a, to want to go to space with those numbers to just be like, I know, I guess you just gotta yeah. keep going. Yeah. You just gotta awesome. go for it. Yeah. Just, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, that is a really great confession. I guess for me, that moment is now, I think, I mean, I love your comedy and it's cool that we've been able to get to know each other in the past year, but it's yeah. Doing this podcast and being able to talk to you. And, um, I think that would be like a black in moment, but I totally hear oh, you on, <laughs> <laughs> I do hear you on the quarantine, making everything feel like the only time you can talk to people is through comedy and you know what? And through video chats yeah. and like through things that, um, yeah, I guess it's like just going, Oh man, like, I can't believe I have to sign on again today to connect with NASA. <laughs> like, like Esposito, get off your get out of your own fucking way. Like, <laughs> just pick up the call from NASA and enjoy yourself. <laughs> That's so awesome. Did you try to watch the space launch? That were um, they had to reschedule, but I yes. had it up and then I was disappointed. But it'll yeah. happen. She said she was like texting me. She said when they thought they would do the next one. Anyway, I don't wow. know. I'm I'm trying to become friends with an astronaut. You can text I someone said. in like you're texting with someone in space. That's so she's cool. here. She's currently she's down. She's here. Okay. She's but she down. will be, yeah. But she was in space last year. Yeah, for, so that's a brain two. that's been in space. Part alien now, yeah. <laughs> of the last year. Anyway, that's, I could talk about this for a while. I love that Very so much. Um, well, this podcast I started because um, I, I started going to therapy later in life and it's really helped me and the idea of just like talking things through and in a, like a more, uh, like digging deeper into stories that I didn't feel were important in my life really helped me. So I'm curious, like what's your experience with therapy and um, uh, for the listeners who maybe don't know your full story, like maybe give us a summary of like therapy and your experience with it. And, you know, what sure. You <laughs> I can give you an experience of, uh, 
a scope of my experience with therapy. I started going for the first time when I was 27. I don't think I've ever talked about this anywhere, like outside of personal hmm. relationships. So I started going when I was 27. My When I was 25, I met I had just moved back to Chicago. I'd been living in Boston and Chicago's where I'm from. And I met this woman who I really loved. Um, and she, and I had this like sort of very messy art relationship. She's a modern dancer. I was like just starting to be a comic after doing improv. I had switched over to stand up, mm -hmm. and, um, but I was, you know, making no money. We moved in together. Our rent was $600 combined wow um and all of our friends were like very you know there's no entertainment industry in chicago or at least there wasn't at the time i think it's a little bit more active uh -huh. there now but it was like it feels artists, like there's a scene but not an industry the way there is here right there's like it was artists like true artists yeah yeah so you knew everybody who sort of like did any kind of art like music or people who are painters or like mm -hmm you know, everybody was just kind of friends with each other. And anyway, so her visa ran out because she was South African and marriage equality was not legal. Um, and even if it had been in Illinois, we couldn't have, I couldn't have applied for federal marriage mm -hmm. rights. So um, there was nothing I could do to keep her in the U.S., and I briefly went to South Africa and thought maybe I would live there, but I didn't think my comedy career, um, but I chose comedy and, um, could have been Trevor meant... Noah on the daily show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's from South Africa. Yeah, exactly. He is. Um, but I think being a white American who then went to South <laughs> Africa might mean a little something. Different. Anyway. So, uh, -huh. uh I came back and I just, that, that's the, that's what brought me to therapy for the first time. I was so sad and, you know, couldn't sleep at all and started seeing a therapist for the rest of the time I lived in Chicago and then I moved here to LA and I got a different therapist who I've been with for the last eight years. Wow. Um, and so I'm 38, so it's like 11 years of therapy. That's, I mean, that is a very hard situation to be in because you feel so powerless I think that's um mm -hmm. that's like a very scary thing and I mean I I kind of know the story because of your book but I love there's a moment you talked about reaching I'm paraphrasing but you like reach a pinnacle of your relationship where you see it's like oh it's not gonna get better than this and like that made me cry because it's so true you can really love someone and think like okay we're at this point that we're kind of separate in our paths and this is the best it's going to be so you know you don't want to stay and now I'm like getting all teary <laughs> thinking about it yeah but um but I love that so much and I think it's like you're talking about growth like that's so important to recognize that for growth but it doesn't make it hurt less so I think it's uh really cool that you went to therapy and found you know support through that tough time because no matter what it's going yeah. to be tough I think there isn't like a way out that's just the easy way no, there wasn't. I mean, a really amazing thing is that she and I are still in touch. She lives in Germany. And this is not true for every relationship I've had, but I have a, like that relationship and my first girlfriend. I have, I still, and actually my, 
my second girlfriend. Oh, this is also true. I have like three. No, actually, there's more than that. I have. There's many people that I have had important and impactful relationships with, um, like dating relationships, who I still know. And that's another thing that like is kind of amazing to me in terms of growth is um, I think that's an awesome part of queerness when it works out. It doesn't work out in every relationship that you get to still have a relationship with that person. But when it does work out, it's pretty cool because I still care about that person. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I don't think I'm going to live in Germany and I don't think she's going to live in the U S and we're very different people. And you know, there isn't like a spark of dating, mm-hmm. but there's like a love. So yeah. it's really awesome to still know her. Oh, that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's so cool. Well, that kind of brings us to, I guess, the um, main main crux of this. But Cameron, is there anything you would like to tell me? Sure. <laughs> and, you know, I was thinking about this because uh, I sort of brought this up when I was recently on your show doing stand-up. Um, and <laughs> I think that the truth is that I currently hate stand-up comedy. Okay. So yeah, for listeners, that was maybe two weeks ago. So this is <laughs> this is a more permanent feeling now. I, I do remember you mentioning yeah. it on the live stream. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's currently... get into it. What? So you stand-up comedy in general to you? I mean, obviously there's like stand-up, and then there's what we're doing now as stand-up, but what do you mean by stand-up when you say that? Do you mean like the form of comedy as an expression or the lifestyle you were having in terms of touring? Ooh. Oh, good. <laughs> wow. Good questions. Um, we could do each one. Sure. Uh, first of all, currently I hate that form of expression. Just okay. currently. Um, I think, I think that, so I went through like the hardest time in my life in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, going through a divorce was, it really was like the most complicated and painful experience I've had. The other one being um, coming out at a Catholic college where the university didn't accept me my parents didn't accept me my friends didn't accept me and it was in that moment that I found comedy Mm. so like I was previously you know this like young Republican person (laughs) gave that up but I was still super Catholic and then um sort of in realizing more about oh wait the Catholic Church is colonialism it's a place that hides predators it's a place where I'll never be equal as a woman and also teaches me that I'm sinful as a queer person I like left that piece of myself behind but Catholicism had been much more than like, like I was kind of into it, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you saw this in the book that I like, I like thought it was cool because Uh there was a lot of direct action stuff that I was doing that was not like maybe what some people think of organized religion. Like I wasn't just like going to mass in like a Sunday dress with like a bonnet. I was like, um, doing the sort of more Jesus as a Mm -hmm. revolutionary side of things and sort of a lot of like political action and protesting yeah, you said, um, and you traveled a lot and met a lot of people through it which brings new experiences met, yeah, yeah exactly and so um like traveled internationally and nationally and it was a really big part of my life and then 
when that fell away, I had started doing improv and I sort of just shifted my focus there. So like Mm -hmm. where Catholicism, like you just rightly pointed out, had been my connection with other people. Then I was like, well, I guess it's comedy. (laughs) So like comedy sort of became my new God. And um, that really worked for a long time for me. And I think... Weirdly, so like I was 19 when I left the church and then I was, I'm 38 having these feelings. So it's, it's another oh, 19 wow. years. Yeah. Um, I just got to the place where like some of the stuff I want to say and some of the stuff I want to do, comedy feels, um, standup feels like. Like, I'm just not, I'm not, like, here for the party anymore. Mm. And <laughs> Do you feel, it's, that's interesting because, but when you first started, it was this new thing. And, and, you know, obviously now you're very established and people come to you for, I'm sure, like, even stand-up advice. So it's not this thing where you're, like, a baby looking into the world anymore. You're kind of, like, on the, you know, so, so a lot of people on the Mount Rushmore of this uh, <laughs> form. Do you feel like you're when you want to express yourself, you have to do it through comedy. Like, does it almost limit you? I I guess I'm, I guess I'm wondering if there's a sense of in the beginning, it was like, Oh, I want to express myself and it naturally comes out in comedy. And now you're feeling like when it doesn't feel comedic, it doesn't fit into this mold that you've created. Yeah. I think that's a really good reading. It's, it does feel like that. I think it feels like, um, Like, I think I can be very fun and lighthearted, but I also think I'm an incredibly serious person. And most comics that I know are. Uh-huh. But when we get together, this thing happens where we, like, shift away from, like, I think most comics are people who are, like, in deep pain and mm. who feel um, some social anxiety and who really want to be open to others but but can't always be so what? that no way that... an industry <laughs> so... that made us seek attention on stage no way yeah so that thing of like when comics are together and it's like joke 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 mm. joke 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 like that you know those are the sort of parties that I was going to and that was the kind of social life I had when um I started being separated mm-hmm. and I think that I just had this experience of like the shit that was that I was feeling and going through was like so serious. It was, you know, I was like re-understanding my entire life. I was in a lot of pain. And so mm. I would sort of go back into these circles and it was like I couldn't do that there. There was mm. a limitation to that group of people and even to that form and even to like audience members or to like people that might follow me on social media like I I just sort of felt like this amount of pain doesn't really work here Hmm. because I can't like do it lightheartedly um right now and I and I hadn't had that experience yet in comedy because I'd been able to always like if I was in pain I could (laughs) always bring it to the stage and like process it. And then it was like, Oh, actually this is not appropriate. Like <laughs> I think I probably need to like, um, 
go dark for a while. I was mm. like not on social media for pretty much a full year. Um, I toured because that was how I was making money, but it was not great. Mm. Um, Were you processing and- um, like before when you said comedy what was working in that sense of like processing pain? Were you processing on stage? Or were you, was it just like lighter things where you could process it quicker and then get on stage and do the joke? I think sometimes it was lighter things or it were, or it was things from further in my past. Gotcha. So like, right. The equation is (laughs) tragedy plus time equals comedy. And there was one time I was even talking to one of my friends during all this time. I'm like, God, comedy just doesn't feel like it. It's like it for me right now. And they were like, you know, that's because you're trying to do tragedy <sighs> equals comedy. And uh-huh. I was like, fair wow. point. <laughs> um, yeah, because it takes, like, it, there, there's two separate processes, but I think often we see the end and think, wow, that was so well-crafted that um, I just want to get there now. But yeah. we cut out the part where you actually process the thing that's hard, and that is different than writing a special um, yeah. Yeah. But then, especially when you're in a job, when you're, you know, on a roll and you have momentum, you do feel like you got to put the next thing out. And then you're like, well, I have all these things. Why don't I use that? And- yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the other thing is that, like, um, I think I also, and again, maybe this won't always be true, but I think I also, for the first time, realized that processing the pain out of something and just turning it to jokes Hmm. also sort of devalues the experience you know like I don't know if it's always good (laughs) that I have been able to shine up the most painful experiences in my life like I'm really good at it (laughs) you know I can like I just can do even do that interpersonally but is that a good thing? You know, like, is it a good thing to always undercut what you really mean to be saying? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a fallacy that comedians can't be funny if they're not in pain, but I think you're a funny person. So you, I'm kind of experimented this more now, but trying to be funny and be happy sometimes, I mean, I'm not exactly, (laughs) I'm not exactly happy right now, but like just being okay with not having to like, kind of cut the cut deeper in times when I know I can walk away from it for the sake of comedy. Um, but I think, I mean, I, you're a funny person, so you don't need that to be funny, but there's this kind of connection with, um, coping, right? Like creating comedy to cope with pain. So then it's like both a bandage and also a trait that you have, like you're funny. (laughs) So then it's like, when can you just do be funny? And when are you, putting a band-aid on something yeah I mean I think probably you do need like you're saying I think probably you do need to you know to be in pain to be funny that's like how you take that's the premise of all the stuff but I think it's more realizing oh I am like selling my pain <laughs> okay literally selling my pain like is that and is it's that not okay? feeling good to... is that okay for me you uh-huh. know like, like not like does it work or does it not work but more so like is that what I want to do with my pain hmm. you know like is it better to go to an audience than like a trusted friend. I think two years ago, <laughs> I would have been like audience every time. Um, but the thing about an audience is like, you don't get intimate. You, 
you don't get intimacy and love back. You get appreciation. You get um, you get a lot of wonderful things, but like it's not the intimacy is false because hmm. there's an exchange of money and because the audience doesn't really know they know the the performance, but they don't know the you that's sort of behind the performance and you don't know them at all. Mm. So it's not like really a fair exchange of. It almost sounds like you're talking about trust because the idea of knowing the person you're telling these things to is to trust them. And if they're an audience that you don't need to know, then you don't have to trust them because they can trust you and that's it. And then you can be like, Oh, I trust myself. So I'll tell you all these things that are true. And then you can think what you think, but I don't care what you think because I don't know you. <laughs> Man, that is such a, wow, you're like very, yes, exactly. I mean, I think that's the thing is, right, the most trusted primary relationship in my life was going away because mm. I was getting a divorce. And then the friends that I had, um, I hadn't necessarily been trying to build an intimate an intimate relationship with them because I got my expressive needs out on stage and my sort of trust needs in my primary relationship. And I think that the shift has been, Oh, you can't just trust one person. <laughs> that's like, Oh, <laughs> uh, that's like a, it's a setup for disaster because it's like too much pressure to put on someone else. And it's way too much pressure to put on yourself. You can trust yourself, but I know what you yes. mean. No. And that's well, really like hard. I say that a large, <laughs> Well, I always say, like, I I don't really believe it yet, but that's something that I've worked on in the last year in therapy is, like, what does that mean to trust myself, like, trusting my gut and trusting and not needing a second opinion or a witness in situations, just trusting myself as a witness. But I think that's, like, very, very hard, and I haven't figured it out. But um, I something people told me that, I don't know if this applies to you, but it kind of reminded me of it, is that I like to get vulnerable almost because I want people to be vulnerable with me. And then, so I get vulnerable, but then if I don't get what I am after, which is their vulnerability and trust, then I'm upset. And, uh, and I was told this more like through a friend, like kind of in a reading you kind of way, not in a mean way. So I think I was more willing to listen, but I kind of, it did resonate because I think I do really like to be vulnerable and get honest. And I think that's a big part of comedy, but I like to be vulnerable if I think it's going to work. And then if I am vulnerable, so I don't know if that's real vulnerability because <laughs> if I'm vulnerable and then someone like hurts me, that's the true vulnerability is that you're able to be hurt. But then if someone hurts me, that's when I'm like, all right, petty Teresa time. Let's write jokes or let's, I never needed this anyways, or this didn't matter. And that's when I'm like, am I being honest here? Like I probably wasn't truly vulnerable if I wasn't okay with the other outcome, which is, getting hurt but I don't know someone told me yeah. that and I was like damn that really cut to the bone because I feel like it's true <laughs> I mean you know the thing that I realized that like blew my mind was that none of my friends so like this massive change happened in my life and I realized none of my friends had ever seen me cry wow zero of my friends <laughs> had ever seen me cry and because I started crying a lot, <laughs> I realized that I felt really strange. Like I felt like I was, um, I was like, what is happening? And then, um, that just helped me realize that like, again, I think stand up is, is an awesome skill, 
But if you make your whole life stand up, hmm. then it just it it's like a stone that has become too round because it's been because water's been rushing over it. Like it just is. It was I was so smoothed out that like I would just show up, with, you know, and be the comic relief and be the entertainment, even in my friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, actually, this is what I look like when I cry, you know, and it was really tough. To make that transition but i now i think that is a very positive thing to be able to do with friends yeah i think too many of my friends have seen me cry now i need, <laughs> I need to pull back because they don't congratulations it's still real but i'm like they don't it's like you know at a certain point they're like what is this about but i'm very easily triggered um <laughs> but um <laughs> what so if you're you're thinking this about stand-up are there things that you've experimented with other forms of expression like i mean I joke, but I actually do this. It's like I've been writing a lot of poetry and songs in the quarantine, none of which I really want to show anyone. But it's how I've been like expressing myself because I think in the same way, like some things feel too heavy to be funny. Um, I'm curious if there's other forms that you've been toying with or that you've been drawn to. Yeah, I mean, so I've been writing like longer form pieces that sort of have appeared in a bunch of different places. Um which like a book really... well like like a book but also i've had like some i mean the, the amazing thing you know huge privilege of realizing this this is that i did because i was using that coping skill i did put myself in the position where if i want to try other options i i can mm-hmm. usually do that and that's you know most people don't most people don't get to pick their jobs. And then most people don't get to say, I actually currently don't like my job. Let me try this adjacent thing. Like, it's not, it's, I'm very, there's a huge amount of privilege going on in this entire conversation. But, um, like, I pitched some pieces to Vanity Fair and to um, Refinery29 and the New York Times. That's awesome. And Heard of it. Yeah. They all got published. And then, um, Bon Appetit magazine, which is like the food. <laughs> That's magazine. right. I do remember that. <laughs> they, That's great. Like, uh, commissioned a piece for me, which was which was really fun. Um, and some other places, Roxanne Gay has a magazine called Gay Magazine that commissioned a piece for me. And so I think that you know the amazing good news is that I have been able to dabble in expressing myself elsewhere, and I have a podcast that I really mm. love when I don't feel. Like only, um, only when it's astronauts. Yeah. Every, everything else tired. <laughs> so the self-expression stuff is all doable, and that's amazing. I think it's the identity stuff that hmm. I'm having a weird time with because I so identify with being a comic. Like mm-hmm. you know what it's like if you're yeah. a comic. That better be like your first descriptor. You can't be like <laughs> YouTuber slash comic. Yeah. You have to be like comic slash youtuber it's like the one industry where if someone said she's a model first that's like a huge insult exactly (laughs) exactly exactly like like okay you can be an actor but like please like know that this these are your roots and and you'll only be taken seriously if you stay i feel like it goes back to because i've thought about them like why is that but i think it goes back to the idea of like paying your dues which is Mm -hmm. also kind of a scam created by a lot of men who you know need to keep you down but I, I understand the feeling of like okay if you under, have gone through you know standing in the back of a room of at a bar show with three people and you know like that is experience that you can't create overnight so I think when I think of like 
the tribe of comedians, that's, I think there's a certain level of experience that I can connect to people on. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I'm, uh, clearly you can tell I'm also going through, <laughs> but I'm like, what am I? I'm writing poetry. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, to your point, the, the other thing that I think about is, you know, because of the time in my life when I found comedy mm. that I didn't feel acceptance elsewhere, I switched that need for acceptance to stand up mm -hmm. where it turns out like if you're a woman and especially like a, you know a queer woman um the guys that do this job will never mm. in my experience give you 100 acceptance like you're not you're never going to be one of the boys mm -hmm. but that is dangled you know there's <laughs> it feels it has felt to me like something that if i just tried harder uh -huh. Like I would, you know, get all the invitations to like the dude hangouts and I'd finally be accepted by the back of the room dudes who run the taste mm -hmm. in this place that I turned to for acceptance. And so I'm working on just letting go of that and seeing if that doesn't shift some of these feelings, because I've also been doing stand up sort of under the guise of when other comics like, as a comic, you're working for other comics. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not working for money. You're not working for an audience. <laughs> you're not working for, like, fun. You're working to make other comics like you and think you're funny. And so... Yeah, playing to the back of the room. That's so mm -hmm. true. And I, I'm very much still far away from not caring about that. But I'm aware of that. Like, if a comedian that I admire says like i really like that that joke after a show i'm like oh my god thank god but if an yes. audience member you know comes up and takes a picture and follows me on instagram i'm just like okay whatever you don't really know <laughs> but like, they're the like, ones who are going to support me being here audience but you don't really know the real people that know yeah it's not you the hundreds of people that have paid or it's not you the you know whatever it is the television audience like whatever it is it's not any of those people it's like the five dudes that will never like me <laughs> Yeah, we seek that validation because it, it's what's exciting at first when you start doing it because you you have that skill and, and so you get a lot of it at first and it feels really good. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, man, that, that got real uh, real serious, but I, <laughs> I relate. Well, okay, I, I'm sure I don't want to put another thing on your plate because you have so many skills and talents, but have you ever thought about directing? Because I feel like everything you're saying like and all the experience you have and your voice I think you'd be really good at it if it was something you're interested in yeah I have thought about it um I think I don't know exactly how to get there like which like how to move into that space because you're basically um, your own god in that situation yeah. and you <laughs> maybe that's the, you're like you know, going through religion and different religions is like, I just got to be a God and create my own world. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's a great idea. I don't know. That's just a thing, but I'm sure you have so many other things, so I don't want to throw another, <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm a lot of people would want to hear yeah, what you have to say. Um, man, I'm, well, I'm really glad you shared that and, uh, I'm sorry that you're going through a rough time, but I think it's so cool that you're able to have the skills to voice like every moment of that feeling and, you know, be comfortable and accept that. Uh, I also think <laughs> it's really good. I, I think that it would be more negative for one thing to work for the entire rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Like I got to 19 and my system stopped working. So then I found a new thing that, that started working and then I, and then that worked and then I died. 
Like to me, that sounds like, you know, to go back to how we started this, it sounds like your spine has stretched and it's probably okay if it doesn't perfectly fit back in the same space. Right. And then if you think in terms of like your lifelong, like Wikipedia article, like you, you don't have to forever be stuck as a comedian if that's not what you want, but you, it's not going to erase what you've done and what you've accomplished and how that's affected other people. So I think, uh, you can always like add another thing, but yeah, yeah that's right. I mean, I'm excited. I'm <laughs> like actually spoon ex- carving. I mean, yeah, maybe <laughs> exactly. I'm actually, I'm actually excited by the, by real, by recognizing that something isn't working for me. It's good. That's a good thing. I think it's really good. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. I have a quick game that I like to, I want to end with a game. If, uh, if let's time. game it up. Okay. So just to end on a kind of fun note, it's not really related to the conversation, but I kind of based it off of, um, uh, something in your book, which I really liked because you talked about how you were a pirate for Halloween and oh, uh-huh. I was also a pirate for Halloween in fourth Ooh. grade. And I hadn't even thought about it until you said it. I was like, is that a gay thing? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yes. And my 100%. version of it was, uh, since I'm bisexual, I did wear fishnets. Uh, probably <laughs> bizarre to be doing that in fourth grade, but I asked, so I received. Um, yeah, so I really liked that. One detail really stood out, and then I did ask a bunch of friends, and it turns out, yeah, I guess a lot of queer people were pirates as kids. <laughs> you can learn a lot from Halloween costumes. Um, but so this is a game. I also know you like Harry Potter. And oh, yes, I, I do. think <laughs> also just witches and the occult are very queer. So this is a very simple game. It's called which would win the wench or the witch, the cauldron or the galleon. So basically, uh, I'm kind of going to go through pirates versus witches. I don't know if you off the top Ooh. of your head, you know, if you have a preference in, in general, like the not I know pirates themselves, you know, very problematic. But the idea of the fantasy world, do you have a preference pirates or witches? Have you ever thought about it? Oh my god, I've never thought about it. What a good question. I can't believe I'm finally being asked the question I deserve. We're going to find out. So, um okay. basically I will every uh, I'm going to give you like two items each from pop culture, like a pirate from pop culture, a witch from pop culture. <sighs> and you can, you know, this is kind of loose. It's not, you know, who would who would win in a fight is kind of the general idea, but you can just go off of gut or who you like better. We're not trying to compare, you know, hotness or anything like that. It's more of a gut level. Okay. So these are all pop culture um, pirates and witches. So here's the first one. Okay. We have um, Kira Knightley as Elizabeth Swan versus Emma Watson as Hermione Granger. Oh, this is so clearly Hermione. <laughs> it's so clearly Hermione. Agree. Agree. Okay, great. All right. Okay. Number two. This one's a little harder. Um, Xena, Warrior Princess, uh, played by Ooh. Lucy Lawless, versus Willow Rosenberg, played by Elsa oh, Hannigan. Oh, and Xena was a pirate because in her backstory, before she turned good, she was actually a pirate captain. So in case anyone's trying to come for that discrepancy, <laughs> I looked. I can't believe that you're doing this to me, but it is also, the answer is Willow, actually. <laughs> okay. Because of, like, Dark Willow. Do you remember how powerful she was? Yeah, she got anyway, so strong. She got so powerful, yes. <laughs> and Xena is powerful, but there seems to be, like, a limita- like a cap. Mm. Yeah, because she's very, yeah, a little more 2D in the writing, I would mm-hmm. say. I only mm-hmm. watched Xena on, like, I think it may have done first run and then it was on syndication, but I only watched it on syndication on, like, a random broadcast channel during the day absolutely <laughs> kind of fuzzy and it still Same. had an impact on me yes. but <laughs> just like what is this yeah um okay so right now we got a point for 
So two points for witches. Two okay. points for witches. I didn't know that about myself, but mm. yeah, we're, we're really... All right, we're we have a few more. Um, Trinity from Matrix, uh, played by Carrie Ann Moss, versus uh-huh. Sabrina, uh, the teenage witch, the Melissa Joan Hart version. So, um, Wow, it's Trinity. That's Trinity, okay, for sure. Yeah. Trinity is very powerful. And also, so, so this is kind of a loose pirate, but I did look, because I felt like she was a pirate, and then I looked, and like the um what's uh morpheus is she's this like first mate and they use a lot of like ship terms and they're basically yeah, they're stealing on so that ship yeah. yeah 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 so she counts okay i think it i, I like the i like the read yes okay good. okay good um wait okay i have to i'm like gonna forget the score okay here we go all right so we got next one uh this is winona Ryder as abigail williams in the crucible versus uh, penelope cruz as angelica on pirates of the caribbean stranger tides Oh, um, Winona Ryder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like in, sure, in that role, but like. <laughs> just in general. Maybe across the board. Yes. Yeah. Originally, I was going to do actresses, just like their essence, but then yeah. it felt too much like pitting women against each other. I like no, the, I the spirit you. of these people better. Yeah. I think, I also just think, I guess I just think uh, the thing about, it just like her witchiness feels. Oh, yeah. She feels like she's bringing the witchiness. Yes. And anyway, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, it transcends. Like, I feel like I got witchier watching her. And the just like the, the mean girlness and the power, you know, of, and the, it's like cruel, but also you like want, yeah, you like want to watch her. Yeah, it's great. Okay. There's two more. All right. So, so far, witches are winning. Um, we have Ursula, who is a sea witch, versus <laughs> Carmen Sandiego, who is. A pirate. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, who would, first of all, I think, I actually think the answer is Carmen Sandiego because Ursula is so powerful, but all you have to do is just drive a ship into her <laughs> abdomen and she's done. True. And that feels like, mm. really? Okay. Um, and additionally, <laughs> growing up with the name Cameron, there were like no Camerons that were like Cameron Diaz sort of became, she became famous as a, as a model for 17 mm-hmm. magazine. That's how she got her start when I was like in gr- maybe like eighth grade or something. Um, so before that, no one had ever heard the name Cameron mm-hmm. and Carmen San Diego <laughs> was on TV slash a popular video game. So that character, I have a lifelong affinity for just based on the number of people who have called me that. Okay. And her style. Yeah, I watched the show. Style. Yeah, and I played the computer game. Love Carmen Sandiego. Probably also another costume if you dressed up as, well, and I don't know, at me if this is true. If you dressed up as Carmen Sandiego and you're, and you're queer now, let me know because I feel like there's something there. Okay, final one. And this is worth three points. Okay, so this is um, this is okay. a little harder. Okay, so we have the Hocus Pocus Witches. That's Bette Miller, <gasps> Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy and Ajimi. Versus these three women who have played Peter Pan, who is technically a pirate, um, on Broadway. So Kathy Rigby, Mary Martin, and Mia Farrow. Wow, it's uh, <laughs> it's actually it's definitely the Hocus Pocus Witches. All right, it is. wow, wow, wow! Because All that right. is a scary movie. That is. <laughs> that I still cannot sit through. You're so, you were scared of it. That's so oh, funny. Yes. That was another thing I thought um, we had in common when I read your book because you hate horror movies, but you love witchy things and yeah. fantasy and sci-fi, yes. and I'm the same way. I can't watch horror, but I love Halloween so much. Mm. It's like my favorite holiday. But it is yeah. all about horror. It's Billy. Billy, the there's a zombie in that. Oh, uh-huh. Named Billy, played by, what's his name? Um, he also plays the 
Floating Gentleman in Buffy, and he also oh. plays Abe Sapien in. This is a uh, memory Hubboy? that I didn't latch on to watching this. And I watched so many times. The one memory I think that stood out so many times for me in Hocus Pocus was the girl. And I think there's a moment where they like see our boobs or something. And it's I, a whole, just yeah. like that, stuck. I was like, why did I like this movie so much? And then I watched it again as an adult. I was like, oh, I remember now. That's why. <laughs> there's, there's something for everybody in that movie. Also, like Kathy and Jimmy is so funny. And then mm-hmm. Bette Midler is obviously Bette Midler. But then Sarah Jessica Parker. She's hot. Yeah. She's, She's and, and the, her character it's so it's yeah it's over the top and fun and i love it yeah. well Fantastic. cameron i think the official verdict is that witches win over pirates so i'm um, into witches you're you know <laughs> congratulations you're going hogwarts <laughs> i'm super into witches like that wasn't really close yeah not even close maybe I'm there just really... needs to be better pirate representation but uh uh, right now it's witches. So, um, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing everything. Um, is there anything you want to tell the listeners to check out? Uh, you know, if you're gonna buy a copy of Save Yourself, which would be so awesome, I would love to ask you to buy it from an indie bookseller. Many of them are shipping all over the place, or the one in your city might be available for curbside pickup. So I think that's a rad thing that we can do to keep businesses open um, during the pandemic. And uh, yeah, that's what I would recommend. Awesome. Um, and follow Cameron online, obviously. And whatever the next thing she does, comedy or not, follow that. <laughs> and you can follow this podcast at Tell Me Anything Pod and follow me at Larissa T on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you. Have you ever gotten a tampon stuck up there? You ever kicked a man in the balls when he told you how to smile? Ever peed on a guy's face for money? Well, we've got you covered. With enough stories, we'll drown out the patriarchy for good in their own semen. I'm Heather Ann Gottlieb, and this is Dirty Girl, available now on the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a hoo-ha-ha podcast.